God bless you, saints. Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. And uh, I, I sure got to say how much I appreciate Brother John and Brother Aaron the last couple of weeks for, uh, for their uh, lessons and what they had to say. Let's see if we can get it up. There we go. And bring you greetings from all the saints up, up there in, in Kentucky at Brother Larry Harris Church. Um, it's, it's good to have uh, fellowship with other believers that know they're kind of praying for you and, and, uh, and believe in the same thing. <clears throat> let's let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer before we get into our lesson. Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for the being able to gather around your word on this cold morning and Thank God that we've got uh, a real fire, Lord Jesus, to be warmed by, not some painted fire, Lord Jesus. And I pray, God, that you'll just warm our hearts, Lord Jesus, this morning as we gather around your word and study these things out, Lord God. Help us to get the true essence of what these things mean, Lord, we pray in your name. Amen. So um, I'm going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 6, and then we'll kind of get back into the kind of where we left off last time in Hebrews 13. Um, talking about remember them which have the rule over you. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, he said, Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or need we as some others epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? I, 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 I was it's interesting to meditate on how often Paul, Paul is just trying to convince people that, that he writes these letters to and that he preaches to that we know what we're talking about. <laughs> He said, "You are our epistle, written in our hearts. You're the evidence. You're the you're the evidence that our ministry is true. You are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the Living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward." Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything is of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Now there's, there's something to really meditate on as we, as we study this, these things out in Hebrews 13 that that um, without the spirit, you the, the spirit is what the spirit is what gives uh, meaning to the scripture. So even even as I'm speaking, the way that the word is conveyed actually gives uh, backs up the meaning. gives the essence of what I'm trying to communicate. You know, you maybe you hear like a preacher sometimes with a bad attitude, and and it just comes across different. Maybe the same words technically it would be the same words, but. But it'll come because the spirit gives the puts the meaning to it. Even a husband, uh, you know, t- saying something to his wife, he can say something in the, in the with a different spirit, and it'll come across totally different. So you can see what what the spirit does. The the Holy Ghost is so important because it will actually illuminate the word that we've heard and give the true meaning, the true essence of it. Now look what Paul's saying here. He says, "But with the spirit of the living God." And he's made us able ministers of the New Testament. And what's the New Testament that God would put to give us the same life, that life that was in his blood, the life, it put, give, that, give us that same life so that we can not just live by a letter, by like a legalistic standpoint where we're trying to obey a set of rules and things, but 
where he gives us his same life that can actually illuminate the true essence of the word and, and make us live out the things that were typed in the Old Testament. So it's actually living. Now there's the difference between a painted fire and a real, something real. This, a, a painted fire might be where you could write the word fire, or maybe you could read the word fire in your Bible. But when it's really alive in you, walking in your feet and in your hands, then it's something that other people can get warned by because it's real. Now, so you can see the spirit is what gives life. The spirit is what gives life to the word that we're reading about. Now, you see, uh, I've got this this little illustration of the, you know, the, the words coming off the page. And so like when you're talking, when you're sharing things, the spirit is the, the, all these things that are encompassed here in this little slide, the emotional tone. What, what is the essence? When, when God says something to in his word, what does it really mean? And you'll never know what it really means unless the spirit illuminates it to you. Because the spirit is relationship. Like, like Brother Aaron was sharing in his last Sunday school lesson, communion with God. The spirit is what brings communion where you can, you actually know because you've got a relationship with God, what the word is saying. You've got the context and the background and not just the context where you can read the whole story, but you've got a context where you can, you've got your own story. You've got your own background and you know, because you've walked with God and you've lived through all these things, what the word is saying, because the spirit is illuminating it in your life. So that's what the Spirit does. And that's in John chapter 16, why, why John said when he, or Jesus said there in, in John, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. That's the Spirit of truth. The Spirit of truth is actually guiding you through the Word, and he's not going to speak of himself, but he's going to illuminate the things that have already been spoken. As we read through the word, we're, we're reading the what we're reading, what the prophets have said, what Jesus said, what Jesus spoke for those three and a half years. And the spirit is taking those things and bringing them to life in your life and giving you the true understanding of what's really being spoken. Right. Now, it's so important to understand that when you read this scripture that we kind of been meditating on. Remember them which have the rule over you. Because you can take that scripture and go two ways. You can go rule, like Brother Branham would explain as, as he went through the seven church ages, that Nicolaitan spirit would rule over people and try to control them and force them, like Augustine of Hippo got in his head that I'm going to, if they won't believe it, I'm just going to burn them at the stake. I'm going to threaten them. I'm going to drag them out on the ice, and I'm going to say, you believe what I, what I tell you, or I'm going to force you to do it. And that Nicolaitan idea that takes the liberty, that takes the Holy Ghost out of the church, that tries to control people by force, or you can take where it's actually the Word of God that's controlling you and, 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 and taking charge over your life. Now, you see, there's, there's such a big difference between those two views, but it takes the Spirit to actually illuminate it and present, uh, pre- present the, real, the real truth of the thing. 
Remember them which have the rule over you. Not man, not a man ruling over you and forcing you to be a Christian or something like that, but the, the word being presented through a man that's yielded by the Holy Ghost, yielded to the Holy Ghost, where the word can actually captivate you and God can speak to your heart and begin to draw you, where it's not you trying to live according to a set of rules and trying to satisfy God by your works, but actually God claiming your life and beginning to draw you to himself. I think so many people have got in their head that that's what the message really is, is, is a, a bunch of legalistic rules, but that's not it at all. It's God grabbing you by the word and you yielding yourself to it and saying, Lord, I'm going to let you, I'm going to, I want you to claim my life and claim my heart and claim my being. And God, you hear the voice of God and, and it is, you know, the, 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 the real, the truth of the thing is that some people just will not be able to hear God calling them, but some people will be able to respond to it. And so you can't, it's not, by, it's not by force, it's not by grabbing somebody and putting them in a headlock and trying to drag them to it because it's, 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 it's God that's doing it. No man can come to the Father except he draw them. So it's God that does the drawing. It's God that does the calling. Remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Now, there we've got these two ways that you can look at this scripture. One, somebody's, somebody's saying, you believe it or else. And on the other, it's the voice of God calling and drawing. And the only way that you'll know the true essence of not just this scripture, but any scripture in the Bible, all these doctrines, is by the Holy Ghost in your life, giving a real late relationship with him to open up and illuminate the word. In Matthew chapter 23, I, I think it's interesting, too, to meditate on how Jesus would just, he would hit at this this pharisaical lay out a, a, a legalistic idea that you you got to uh, have all these burdens and and all these rules and things that you've got to follow like in Matthew chapter 23 where he said saying the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses seat all therefore whatsoever they bid you observe that that observe and do but did not do not ye after their works for they say and do not for they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with but but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. And now Matthew 23 is a good chapter because that whole chapter is about this concept that uh, 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 that the legalistic mindset. But we're talking about remember them that have rule over you. The rule, the rule to be able to, to 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 preach a word that can captivate and draw people to God, not to the minister or not to a particular geographic location, not to a particular church, but to Christ. And he gave some apostles and some prophets in Ephesians chapter 4 and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So last time, we, as we were kind of going through all these, we, we, we ended up at teachers. And we looked at how apostles are setters in order, so a man that will come in and, and set a church, get a church started and, and wait and labor with the people until a pastor is established and go into a territory where, where nobody's been before and the gospel hasn't been presented and go in and, and be able to labor with people that don't, you know, don't know anything about Christianity many times. And prophets that are seers that can look into the, lift it up and look over the fence in, in God's eternity and 
come back and tell you things that, that it, it, nobody else with it, with, that doesn't have that gift is able to do. An evangelist can stir up the people and preach an encouraging word and make you feel like, man, I, I want to go home and pray some more. And pastors that can, that can counsel and labor with the people and deal with their troubles and like an ox that can bear their burdens and, and, and you can tell all your troubles and things to the pastor and they'll help you out. And, and teachers that we'll, we're going to break down just for a few moments here. Brother Brown said a teacher is a special man. He sits back under the anointing of the Spirit, and I got a little puzzle here, and is able to take the words and put them together by the Holy Spirit that the pastor or evangelist, either one, could not compare with them. So see, well, now what the, what the teacher is doing, we'll, we'll, come, we'll come to church maybe and we'll not understand like some of these complex things that Brother Brown preached about. And it seems real confusing. When you've, after you've come under the influence of a teacher, you leave the building feeling like, you know, I can't understand. Some, somebody will come in and like, maybe, maybe you heard an evangelist that preached, preached it maybe a vague way to kind of stir up the people and they just couldn't, write, couldn't quite nail down exactly the details of what's happening with a new birth experience or what's, what are we doing? What, what are we doing? Excuse me, at church. And, but a teacher We'll take these, these things that are, it's like a puzzle, and we'll break it apart to you so that you believe and you're under, you can understand. And you begin to understand because a teacher can break it, break it down in a way where, now there's, there's the thing with a teacher. A teacher will not produce confusion, but a teacher will produce clarity. A teacher's going to remove the confusion where you leave, you leave satisfied that you're able, you're getting something. Brother Ram said, and you must be born again. And he said, when you're born again, God vindicates you. That's how God vindicates all of his nature, by their fruits. That's the way he vindicates his ministry. That's right. All of his servants are vindicated the same way he vindicates nature. How do you know it's a peach tree? Now, this is kind of getting into the calling, too. How do you know what you are? Like, like you know, Brother Lee, well, Louise probably knows when, uh, some of the foreign countries and stuff. They want to know, are, what are you? Are you a teacher? Are you an evangelist? And so, you know, sometimes maybe you wonder, what are you? But he said, what, how you know what you are is by the fruit, by the effect of your ministry, where you kind of fall in that slot. And where you are will be, will be uh, everybody will know. Everybody know, will know what you are because it's, it's like a fruit tree. Everybody will know if you're a peach tree or apple tree or whatever. It's, it's on display. All of his servants have vindicated the same way he vindicates nature. How do you know it's a peach tree? Because it brings peaches. How do you know it's an apple tree bearing apples? How do you know it's a Christian? Christian signs bear from it. Christian life comes out of it. Now, that's, I, I want to live a life so, much, so close to God where people don't wonder if I'm a Christian. That's where you have a problem. If I, I, I don't, I think they're, I don't. <laughs> how do you know, how do you know he's a teacher? The word comes from him. Now, what that means is if you say you're a teacher and everything's confusing and you're not able to, you're not able to string things together and nobody knows after you get done, it's just a, a mess of confusion. That are, are you a teacher? But when, you, when you, you can preach and lay it out and everybody leaves feeling like they really got fed and, and, and here's the thing too, they recognize that you study because a, a teacher is going to be called to study, not just sitting there watching, watching Netflix all day or sitting 
there pumping their mind full of a bunch of Tommy rot, but they're going to get in the Word and labor and study because that's, that's the fruit that a teacher is going to bear. A teacher, a teacher can't help but get in the Word because that's what a teacher does. How are you going to have anything to teach if you don't labor and study in the Word? So what do teachers do? Teachers are primarily focused on explaining and making Scripture and doctrine clear. Making it clear. Educating the church in biblical truth. What does justification mean? What does sanctification mean? Break that down if it takes 10 sermons to do. Break it down what really happened. What, what really happens when the word is sown in your heart and why it's important to come to church and break all those things down so the people leave not being confused but understanding what it means to be a Christian and deepening the understanding of faith. Brother Bram would say, now, now here's really what a teacher does. A teacher... He can explain the word so you're bound to see it. Somebody could come to church with all their ideas and their opinions about it. Well, I think it should go this way. And you listen to a teacher that breaks it down. And, and, and after you're done, somebody that maybe, maybe don't know nothing about nothing will come forth and think, I, you know what? I believe I, I believe I can understand these things. I, 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 I see it. I, I, you can't help but see it when a teacher runs, runs it down through the scripture from Genesis to Revelation and breaks it down in a way that's clear and, 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 and adds clarity to the people. You're bound to see it. If you got any eyes to see it with, you'll see it. Now, that's the gift of a teacher, not to confuse, but to bring clarity. The teacher has a special gift. Some of these things I just kind of pulled off the, the internet, different people's things are saying. So this isn't something that Brother Brown said, but it goes right along with it. A teacher, the teacher has a special gift for clarifying confusion and misinformation, making complex biblical concepts understandable to their audience. And a teacher is going to be inclined to thoroughly research and explore topics that others might find mundane are complex. Now you might believe a teacher's going to want to dive into Daniel's 70 weeks, even though maybe nobody else wants to get into that. And they'll dive into it and spend time on it and, or so, anything like that. Some, some, some topics like that that others may not approach because a teacher wants to bring, it's their gift to the church. They want to bring clarity so that other people can understand the things that, that many others are afraid to probe at. So they play a crucial role in challenging untruths and stirring curiosity and hunger for the scriptures. And this is a, a picture of Ezra reading from the scroll when all the people, they wanted to, they wanted to have their life straightened up in, there in Nehemiah. They were, they were willing to sit and just listen to him. And questions and answers, Brother Ram said, you must come under teaching. You say, I don't need no one to teach me after the Holy Ghost has come. My friends, that gives me just a little room to doubt whether you've really got it or not then. See the way you're acting with it. See the thing you're doing. Now, why, if there is no, if the Bible says the Holy Spirit is the teacher, why did the Holy Spirit put teachers in the church then to set the church in order? The same Holy Spirit. Sure, we don't need any seminaries to go around, a big bunch of men to look out these things. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. See, it's a teacher and it gives some fellow a gift of teaching. Then you must be subject to that gift. Now, isn't that, what an interesting dynamic that you're sitting there with the Holy Ghost in your heart, 
can listen to a man that's got the Holy Ghost in his heart, that's called and has a special anointing to study these things out that maybe in your, in your capacity as a little housewife or something that don't, don't have the ability to go labor and study these things out and, and open up library books and, and things and, and run, run the, all these deep things through the scripture. But God, God puts a special gift in a teacher to be able to speak to you. And it's the Holy Ghost working in the teacher, in the, in the church, in the person sitting there, the Holy Ghost working and all. And God give that gift in the church so that you could understand and have clarity. And that's why he said in the seven church ages, God raise up ministers everywhere. Fill them with the Holy Spirit. Now, now this will squash that idea that we just sit at home without any ministers. Fill them with the Holy Spirit and send them forth preaching Lord like firebrands. We don't know what hour. We only pass this way once. We're only mortal once. And thanks be to God for that. But the next life, the next life will not preach the gospel in the next life that is to come. But we'll rejoice in the gospel with them of the ages who's accepted it. With the head captain, our Lord Jesus, who's all worthy and all praise be to him forever and ever. <laughs> These kind of quotes really motivate me. So many times, Brother Brown would say, you've only got so many, so many years to have children, so many years to live for God, so many years. So you might as well, that, that encourages me when, I, when, you know, when you're driving on the road and things and you get tired and uh, uh, traveling and things. Do as much as you can for the, for the Lord because you've only got this little span of time. That's what he's saying. God raise up ministers everywhere. Why you can preach the gospel? Why you can do something for the Lord? Because that's, that's the only thing that matters is what we do for others and what we do for God. So in 2 Peter, Peter's saying, Wherefore the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. Now, just, I, I want to just meditate on how God calls a minister. Because you really, you really go all, all the way through the scripture. It's, it's God in everything. The reason why you're sitting here in church is not because of anything you did. The reason why you got the Holy Ghost is because God, God did it. He drew you. He called you. you all you did is respond. You just, you just, you just, you just accepted exactly. the invitation. And so it's the same thing with a minister. God, God knows the special qualities that are in a man, and he begins to draw and woo him. And, and, and that's one evidence of the way that a minister is calling. Brother Ram said it's the guy that's trying to run from it is the one that God uses. See, if he's trying to get away from it. Now, really, what's, what's he saying here? Trying to get away from it. Not, not where somebody says, you better run. No, but it's the man who realizes within themselves that they are inadequate, that, that, that what a daunting challenge lays in front of them. And they can't do it within their own capacity. Even, a, you know, you're sitting back there in that pastor study and you're you, sometimes before you come out and like, Lord, I, I, is, is it going to work this time? Because you can't do it of your own ability. And, and you think about all these examples through the Bible of Jonah and Moses and Gideon and Jeremiah. Jeremiah that say, said, told, told the Lord, I, I cannot speak for I am a child. Now there's a man that's running from his calling because he knows that in his own self, he's inadequate. And, 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 and Brother Ramos will say, that's, that's how you know it's something real. Because when, when you're trying to put yourself into that position and trying to do it yourself because you think you're the best one for the job, that's a good, that's a good mark that something's off. Because our depend, we're depending on God for everything. We're depending on God for everything that we say and everything we do. We're trusting in Jesus for it. 
He said, the calling's in me. If he's trying to get away from it, oh, brother, I tell you, the calling's in me, but I, whew, man, I'd hate to try that. Well, there you are. You see, that that's trying to run. If he wants to do it so bad, the first thing you know, he finds himself a stuffed shirt. Somebody that's arrogant. Somebody that thinks they know more than everybody else. Oh, that's, that's where the spirit comes in. If you've got the right spirit, it actually will open up doors. If you if you got the right spirit, well, you can convey it like not like somebody told me a minister said. You know, some 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 people will get up behind the pulpit like they've got their two guns blazing, ready to shoot up the place and ready to tear, tear, set everybody in order. But somebody that's humble, that's that 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 that's coming with the right spirit because the spirit conveys the right meaning behind the words. The spirit is going to give the essence of what's trying to be communicated. He said, like you said, God, you give me power to move mountains. I tell you, I'll do something for you if you let me move mountains. No, he wouldn't. He can't even move himself to the right attitude. So he'd never move mountains for God. Oh, that's, that's something to really meditate on, to have the right attitude. I, we remember Brother Ram said, I'd rather have the right spirit. I'd rather have the right spirit because if you've got the right spirit, everything's going to move into place. If you can be taught, if you can be moved by the word, and everything else will line up eventually. But if you've got the wrong spirit, nobody's going to be able to tell you anything. Uh, and anyway, I'm get off of that. Questions and answers. Brother Ram said, so always do this. Make your, how you make your calling and election sure. Whenever you feel that you're supposed to do a thing, first find out if it's scripture will do it. He said, first, I'm going to skip down to what's in yellow. First, see if God calls. Then usually I, I watch it for myself. This is me. I watch the nature of the person and see what kind of a gift that they're professing. See, God will work his creature the way he's made him. He'll make a creature. If you see him real, real flighty and going on, and he says, and the musicians can go ahead and come and we'll end on this. The Lord called me for such and such to be a pastor. Now, a pastor can't be a flighty person. A pastor's solid sound. See, God called me to be a teacher. And watch him how he interprets the word. See, he gets it all mixed up and everything. Then you can tell, see. But then the next thing to do, the thing to do, your position is usually known whether you can do it or not. I watch the nature of the person and see what kind of a gift that they're professing. Your position is usually known whether you can do it or not. God bless you, saints. We'll end right there.